Praise the Lord. And welcome into another Sower of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. And as always, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's continue to remember everybody that uh, in this COVID-19, everybody that is affected by it and all the uh, nurses and CNAs and doctors and everything that are are fighting this on the front line and uh, all of our first responders let's remember them continue to remember our nation our uh, leaders our president and our president elect and uh, just just pray be, be very much in prayer for our nation because we need it desperately bad our kind and gracious loving heavenly father god i thank you lord for this another privilege your god to Bow and call upon your name, dear God, and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that you hear and answer our prayers. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just, God, just be with all of our first responders, Lord, and be with all those on the first line fighting this COVID, dear God, the, the nurses and the CNAs and the, and the doctors and all those, those that are, and the janitors, dear God, and all those that are involved in this, in this uh, fight against this COVID-19 God, I ask, Lord, that you just be with them and just protect them and be with our leaders, dear God, and be with our our president, our president-elect, dear God. Lord, just just move in a great and a mighty way between these two, dear God. And, Lord, just move in our government, God, and just, Lord, just, you know, you know the needs, Lord. And I pray, God, that you will move in those needs. Now, God, I thank you for this privilege to go out by way of podcast. Lord, I pray that you will just move, dear God, that you will just take these words, dear God, that you have me to say, and you will use them for your glory, dear God, for the uplifting of your kingdom. For, Lord, I thank you, and I praise you for everything. In Jesus' sweet name we pray. Amen. Now then, all the all the uh, men have came, came back from... Uh, from uh, the defeat of the Midianites, now then uh, they they are getting all their uh, spoil taken care of. Uh, they're getting everything divvied up the uh, the way that the Lord wants it to go and to who He wants it to go to. And now then uh, we've got all that done. And everybody has been cleansed, and everybody is clean and back in the camp. So now then, we're going. We're getting ready to go into the promised land. We're on this side of Jordan. All we have to do now is just cross over Jordan, and we're in the promised land. And this is when the uh, children of Reuben and the children of Gad they went to Moses and they said, Moses. Said we have a lot of cattle. Uh, we have, as a matter of fact, we have a great deal of cattle. And looking at all this land over here on this side of Jordan, I believe that this land, and the land of Jezer, and the land of Gilead, Gilead would be a great place for us to raise our cattle and to uh, raise our families and everything. Because we've got all this land that we we can we can use to. Uh, feed our graze our cattle so i i look i'm asking you moses would it be all right for us to take our inheritance on this side of the jordan instead of going over into the promised land 
And, you know, a lot of times I thought, and I still think to a point, these people are, uh, they don't want to go over in promised land for whatever reason because they think that land on this side suits them better than what they would have over there. And, you know, we as children of God, we are making this trick spiritually. So this is our, our chance to go over the River Jordan and go into the promised land, to that place for the, that the Lord can really bless us and, and really use us. And, you know, I've often said that, you know, for why that they didn't go over, I don't understand. And why people today doesn't want to go over uh, to the promised land, to that place where the Lord that Lord can really use them. And the Lord brought something to my mind today. And, uh, and uh, it, it, I tell you what, it made a whole lot of sense. Then the tribe, the uh, tribe of Reuben, or the children of Reuben, and the children of uh, Gad, and the half half tribe of Manasseh, they all stayed on this side of Jordan. But they, all their men that was at the age to go to war, they went over Jordan with the rest of the people, and they fought with the rest of the people, and they helped them. Uh, get their land, claim their land, and and run everybody off the land. And the Lord brought to my attention, you know, there's some of us that will that will probably never make it over into that promised land, that land for for that, you know, God can really use us for whatever reason. But the, the but the thing about it is, God can still use us, and He still used the children of Gad and and. Uh, Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh, he still used them to help everybody else get over the Jordan and to take and go in and possess their land, possess their blessings, and we can do the same thing. Even though we don't go over there, we can help people get over there and we can help them receive what the Lord has for them. Uh, and we will still be on this side of Jordan and we will still be in a, a, a good place and where the Lord can use us and, you know, and we don't have to go over. But Moses reminded them, he said, uh, you remember now when the men went and they uh, spied out the land and everything, they came back and everybody decided that they didn't want to go in and take it. You remember how how uh, angry the Lord got and, and what he did? He he made it to the point to where that we had to wander around in the in the wilderness till all those people died. And he said, now then we're going to get to go in there again. We don't want to make the Lord mad. He said, now you're going to have to, you know, you really need to go over there with us. You really need to go into that, that promised land. And they said, no, we want to stay on this side because of our cattle and, and all the land we have over here. So they got to discussing it, and Moses told them, he said, all right. He said, if you all want to stay on that side over there, he said, that's fine. He said, you all build your cities. You build all your places for all your cattle and, and uh, things of that nature, and, and you get all your children uh, you get them secure and get them in a in a place in a, to where that they can live and they can survive, 
and then you and all the men that are are of age enough you're going to have to go over and you're going to have to fight with the rest of the, the tribes to possess the land that they're going to possess on that side of Jordan. And they said, no problem. Just give us time to build our, our, our walled cities and, and our, get our families and everything secure and we'll gladly go over with you. And we'll stay over there and we'll fight with you till everybody is on their land and, and everybody has their possession and then we will come back home. So I'm going to, after I, I told you all about it, I'm going to start reading in verse 32 and I'm going to read for a little bit. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that uh, behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Moses came and spoke. Uh, Reuben came and spoke to Moses, and Elzar the priest, and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, "Well, I'm gonna get the page turned here." Adaroth, Dibon. Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Elia and Shabam and Nebo and Beyond, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and my servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Thus did your fathers, when I sent them from Kadesh Berenia to see the land, for when they came, went up into the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and to, and to Jacob because they have not wholly followed me. Save Caleb, the son of Jumanath, the Kizanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, you are risen up in your father's stead and increase an increase of sinful men to argue yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if you turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness and ye shall destroy all this people. And they came near unto him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. 
but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return into our houses until the children of Israel has inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side Jordan or forward, because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. And Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterwards ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. So he's, he, Moses reminded them of what happened when they went and spied the land out. And he's reminding them and said, if you're going to make this promise to, to me, and you're also making this promise to the Lord. So you better keep it. If you don't, your sins will find you out, and you will be in trouble. But he said, now go, build your cities for your little ones, and foals for your sheep, and do that which hath proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be here in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, as my Lord says. So now they're going to stay on. They're not going over into the land, the promised land, the land that the Lord had promised them. They decided that they wanted to stay on on this side of Jordan, which is, you know, it's still yet, like I said, it, it still could be a blessing. This was a land that was uh, a very good land for cattle, and they had had a great deal of cattle, but they also could help people pass back and forth. You know, this the only way into the land from where they were at was across the Jordan. So they they could basically they could fix up a something like a ferry or something like that, and they could the, the people could go back and forth across Jordan, and they could help them with that. And you know, God can use you no matter where you're at. It doesn't matter exactly how you feel about yourself or how other people feels about yourself. Because let me tell you something. The Lord thinks more about you than you think of yourself. The Lord knows just exactly uh, more about you than you know yourself. He knows just exactly how much we can stand. He knows just exactly how, what is in our heart, how willing that we are to do his will and as long as we go out and we fight a good fight, the Lord is going to be there with us, and he's going to help us in every way that he can. And these, uh, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, they said, 
we will we will first of all we're going to take care of our families and our, our children our little children we're going to take care of those and our animals but after we do that we will cross over jordan with you we will go before you as a matter of fact and we'll we will go in the front lines and we will go before you and we will fight and we will help you secure your land and we will stay there till every man has his position. It doesn't matter if it's six weeks, six months, six years. We're going to be there till everybody is, till the whole land is subdued, until everybody has their possession and they are where the Lord wants them to be. And you know, that's the way that we should be as Christians. We should have it in our heart that we're going to help our brothers and sisters to help them to get to the place that they should be, to help them to get to that place where the Lord wants them, to where that we can, uh, we can help them in any way that we can. It doesn't matter what they need, whether they uh, need financial help, whether they need prayer, whether they need whatever they need, food, whatever it may be. Sometimes just a, a hug and a say I love you means a lot to some people. And, you know, that's that's we should be willing as children of God to do anything that we can for our brothers and sisters. This is the reason why that the children of Israel, one reason why that they were so strong is because they were family-oriented. And I'm not talking just about their family. I'm talking about everybody that was with the children of Israel. They were just one huge family. And they would help each other out any way they could, no questions asked. You know, I can remember back years ago when I was just small. I can remember that when something happened to someone, the whole neighborhood came together and they would help that person. They would help them if their house burnt down. They would help them uh, with whatever they needed, place to stay, uh, clothes, anything that they needed. And then they would get together, the whole neighborhood, and they would bring whatever they could or whatever they could afford to buy, and they would build these people's houses back. They would build the people's barns back. It was nothing for, for the whole neighborhood, hundreds of people to show up and help someone build their home back or help them to build a barn. And, you know, we don't see that no more. It's, it's, we have lost our concern. We have lost our love for our fellow man. And the only thing that we care about anymore is ourselves. And, you know, it, it's sad because we can learn so much from, from so many other people if we would just take the time to sit down and talk to them. Just take the time to call them up on the phone and, and just sit and talk to them. We could learn so much more, but we don't, we don't do that no more. You know, I can remember people in the neighborhood coming around and, or uh, our family getting together, and we'd go over and see somebody in the neighborhood. We'd sit out on the front porch, and we'd drink iced tea, and kids would play in the yard till way after dark. And they and the grown-ups would sit there on the porch and they'd talk. And you know, this this is we don't do this no more. We don't have the time. We are too busy 
uh, making money. We are too busy trying to make a name for ourselves. We are too busy trying to uh, pay for our, our big fine cars and our big fine homes. And we, we don't have the time for our children, much less anybody else. So, yes, we, we have got a problem. It's time that we slow down. It's time that we get back to the old past. It's time that we walk therein. It's time we get back to the Bible and we figure out just exactly how it is that we're supposed to be walking and what it is that we're supposed to be doing and we need to be doing it and forget about everything else. Forget about uh, all the things that are going on uh, in our lives. And, you know, we shouldn't be worried about those things no way because we should have our lives in the Lord's hand and everything that we have around us in his hand. And we shouldn't be worried about it because we have got given it all to him. But we need to leave it with him and we need to walk off and forget it and let him take care of those things. And we worry about our neighbors worry about those that are across the street from us or right beside of us find out about them people go over and say hi every once in a while you know we don't do that anymore because we we i don't know why we don't but you know we need to get back to those old past back to the back to the point to where you know we went to church and and we went to church to receive something and to praise the Lord, and it didn't matter what time it was when we got out of there because we felt good in the Lord. We had a good time, and we blessed the Lord, and we went home, and, and we done whatever we needed to do and went to bed and got up the next morning, even if you didn't get two or three hours sleep, feeling like, feeling like you've slept all night long because we have gotten away from the Lord and, and we don't have time for the Lord because we are too busy chasing the almighty dollar. Listen, you, you can't take it with you. It's, you know, you can make all the money you want to. And if you've got children, they're going to fight over it after you're gone. But you know, we need, we need to figure out just exactly where we stand and, when we leave this world, we need to figure out exactly where we're going because uh, you've only got two choices and there's none of this dying and coming back as something else. That, that ain't going to happen. You're going to die and you're either going to heaven or you're either going to hell and the choices that you make on this earth right now is going to determine which one of those places you go to. So, you know, we better... We better be studying our word and we better be asking God uh, to let us know exactly where we stand with him. Uh, but they, they decided that they were going to go over. And they, they went and they built their cities and they, they built their, their sheepfolds and they, they got their cattle and their families all taken care of. And now that uh, they got everything taken care of, it's time to go over. It's time to get ready to go over. It's time to get ready to go to that place that the Lord has got for us, that place of 
contentment, that place of joy, that place to where that you really, you can really feel the Lord just about all the time. You, you don't worry about anything. You're happy with what you've got. It doesn't matter whether you get anything else or not because you have got everything that you need to sustain you until the Lord comes back. And you are looking intently for the Lord to come back. You are waiting on the Lord to come back. You And you you wouldn't care if, it, if in, in the next 30 minutes, if the Lord came back and got his people, it would actually make you very happy. This is where we get. This is how you feel when you get over into the land of Canaan. You don't worry about the things of this world because you know all the things of this world one of these days are going to pass away. There's all this stuff that you are working so hard and so many hours to get. It's all going to be. It's all going to burn up one of these days, it's, and you can't take it with you. So you might as well just forget about all that stuff but turn your attention to the lord and follow him and look for him and desire th- desire the things of him and you'll be a lot better off in the long run but this world and everything and it's going to pass away one of these days and the only two things that are going to be left is heaven and hell and we're going to live in one of them we're going to be in one of them for eternity Yes, eternity. You just don't go to the lake of fire and burn up and that's it. Your soul is going to be in that lake of fire for eternity. You're going to feel the flames. You're going to, you're going to be in torments, and it's plural, not only the flames, but there's going to be other things that's going to torment you. And you're going to be that way for eternity. On the flip side of that coin is heaven. A perfect place. You never want for anything. You're never going to be sick. You're never going to shed a tear. You're never going to have a heartache. Nobody is going to pass away and leave you. Nobody is going to leave you because we're all right there together. And we're going to be there with Jesus himself. He is He is the one that's going to be there. And he is the one that is going to be the light of that new Jerusalem and that new Jerusalem has a mansion with your name on it. And it's a place that does not, the, the most beautiful place on this earth does not even compare to what that mansion is going to be like when you get to heaven. This is what we need to be striving for. Not the things of this world that's going to pass away, but the things of heaven that's going to last for eternity. And they, and you know, you know how uh, your metals and uh, everything gets a little dull here with age. That everything up there is going to be as brand new as it was at the day that the Lord made it, as it is two million years from now. There's not going to be any rust or decay or anything like that. It's all going to be forever, and we're going to be there forever. The question is, where are you going? Where are you going? Time to take a checkup. It's time that we get to the point to where that we get to where that we are content with what we have, except 
we want more of God. We want to get closer to him. We want more of him. That's what we need to be striving for, not the things of this world. All we need in this world is, is enough to get by, enough to sustain us, a roof over our head, a place to sleep, clothes on our back, shoes on our feet, food on the table. That's all we need. So, you know, why worry about everything else when Christ is in control of everything? In chapter 33, uh, Moses goes over and he wrote down all the stuff all the goings out according to their journeys uh, as by the commandment of the Lord. And chapter 33 summarizes uh, their journey from Egypt of all the different places that they, they camped at, from all the different places they journeyed to, all the different things that happened to them along the way. They, they, this is a summary of, of what happened on their trip. And... You know, if you had the chance and you could sit down and you could write a summary of your journey from the time that you got saved to the time that you left this world or just before you left this world, could you sit down and actually write out exactly what happened and, and what all the things that you've done and do it with pride and do it with a, a pride that you want other people to read it. You know, I'm not proud of some of the things that I've done, I have done in my life. I'm not proud of them at all. And I know the things that I have failed at and things that I felt like I failed at. Uh, sometimes I, you know, sometimes we think that we fail at things when it was, um, orchestrated by the Lord to begin with that we were going to fail at those things because he wanted us to fail at those things to teach us. He And, you know, everything's not going to go just exactly the way that we think they ought to. The outcome of every trial is not going to be exactly the way that we think they are. You know, we we have an ideal of how things should go but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he knows exactly what the outcome should be and what the outcome will be if we will turn everything over to him and follow him. I know I, I say this a lot about following the Lord and, and doing the will of the Lord, but, you know, people, time is getting short, and he's coming back after people that's waiting and watching for him. He's coming back after people that are working. He's coming back after people that are are uh, really looking up and they are really desiring to go home. They are really desiring to to take that uh, retirement and to retire from this world and worry and and all this stuff. And you know, we we really need to. To I can't express just exactly how I feel. Time is short. And the Lord is going to come back after people that's ready and watching and waiting for him. And, you know, we there's many different stories in the Bible. And the one that I like the most, or one one that means the most to me, is, is the uh, 
ten virgins. Now listen, the virgins, the virgins that this that the, is in this story, these are the ones that have not been defiled by the world. They have not been defiled by the world. They are children of God. But they, they are waiting on the Lord to come back, and they, they all, every one of them, slumbered and slept. And they had their lamps trimmed. They had, they had the light in them, and uh, they woke up, and they trimmed their lamps, and, and they lit their lamps, and some of them had plenty of oil, and some of them didn't have enough oil. And, you know, those that don't have enough oil, they're going to have to go find that oil. They're, you know, and, and when it comes time, when that door is open, you better have enough oil in your lamp and you better have some extra oil to, to, to get you in that door because if you don't have that oil, you're going to have to go find some. So while you're trying to find oil, the door's going to be shut. And when you come back, you're not going to make it in. Because, you know, heaven is one of those places that we do not want to miss. And if you're betting your soul on playing around with the world and still going to church on Sunday and doing everything of the world the rest of the week and you're betting your soul on going to heaven, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to bet my soul on that. As the old saying is, I like to hedge my bets. And the only way that I know of to hedge my bet is to live a clean, pure life, as pure as I can, as clean as I can. Sure, I make mistakes. Sure, I fail. I do things I shouldn't do. I say things I shouldn't do in the heat of the moment. But I do know that I can ask God to forgive me, and he will. And he will pick me up, and he will clean me off, and he will set me back on that path. I'm not perfect. I am I am far from being a perfect Christian. I am far from being a perfect person. And the Lord knows that. And he knows that I will never be perfect until I leave this world and I get home. But I have to just to uh, work to a the best Christian I can be, the best and the closest as I can get to the Lord, and the closer I get to the Lord, the more things in my life that the Lord will help me with and help me get rid of, and the closer I get to the Lord, the more things he will help me with and get rid of in my life. And we need to continually grow. If we just sit down and uh, say, well, okay, I've given my heart and life to God, now I'm going to sit here and wait on the Lord and come and get me, we might be in trouble. You know, I, I don't want to take that risk, so I am, I am daily checking my life and telling the Lord to teach me and show me things in my life that, that are unlike him that I should be getting out of my life, and, and he does that. He really does that. And there's a lot of things that we, we have to work on diligently. You know, it's just not one of those things that the Lord shows you something that's in your life and shows you something wrong and you ask God to, to forgive you of it and to get it out of your life and poof, it's gone. No, it takes some work. You've got to really work at it. You've got to really prove to the Lord that you want to get rid of these things and you really want to to uh, get closer to him and you really want to to uh, learn of him and you know 
we've got to prove a lot of things to God. God has, the Lord has got nothing to prove to us, but he proved it all on Calvary. He proved everything that we need to know about him on Calvary. We've got a lot that we need to prove to him because this going up and asking God to forgive you of your sins and going back out and living like you were before you went up and asked God to forgive your sins, I'm afraid you didn't get any salvation. You need to check yourself and you need to find out just exactly what it means to be a Christian and you need to go back and do your first works over because you, you, I'm sorry, this, I mean, this, this is the way it is. This is the truth. This is the way that the Lord has me to teach it is to tell it just exactly like it is. We don't, there are not a lot of, of preachers and teachers today that is telling you just exactly what the way that it is. We want to sugarcoat it and pat you on the back so that you'll come back and you'll pay your tithes and I can make a lot of money. This world is ran by the almighty dollar and it's seeping over into our churches and our churches have not, have not become a place of God anymore. They have become just another club that you have to pay dues every week so that uh, you can enter in and act like that you are a child of God and feel good about yourself and everybody pats you on the back, tell you what a good person you are and you can go out and live however you want to the rest of the week. That's not salvation. That's not Christianity. Follow Jesus' life and all the things that you're doing in your life. Ask yourself if Jesus would do those things. Search the word and, and, and find in there where, where the Lord is doing some of the worldly things that you are doing. You are not going to find them because he was always doing good. And he was always about the father's business. But we are on a trip, a journey. We are on a very special journey, a journey from salvation to heaven. And we have to walk a path, a path that is very strict, a path that we have to really live a different life. We have to be different. We have to live different. We have to act different because Jesus was different. He didn't act like the rest of the world. He didn't go out and partake of the things that the rest of the world did he had those people that come against him. Those people that were doing those things are the ones that was trying to kill him all the time. It was the religious world that was trying to get rid of Jesus. And it was the religious world that finally had Jesus crucified, but they had, they had no idea. They thought they were really doing something. They thought they had gotten rid of Christianity. They thought they had gotten rid of all the disciples and all this teachings that Jesus was teaching. But little did they know that they had just started something that was even greater than what Jesus had done when he was upon this earth. Because Jesus told the disciples, he, he told them, he said, greater, greater things than I do, will, that you will do them. And you know, one of the greatest things that we can do is 
teach somebody about salvation, show them the way to the Lord, and then help them to to grow closer to the Lord and to stand on their own two feet and to, to be a man of God or a woman of God. That's what our job is. That's what Jesus came down here to this earth for. He came down here seeking those that were lost, seeking those that were in need to minister unto the people. And that's what we need to be doing, not not trying to run them down and kick them while they're down and make fun of them because of the way that they're living or, or something like that. Love them the way they are. It doesn't matter how they are. You know, <laughs> all the people that makes uh, a great deal of money, they're not the only ones that's going to heaven. Those people that are living underneath the bridges and, and uh, under in tents and wherever they can and they don't have two pennies to rub together, those people are going to go to heaven too. So it doesn't matter how much money you got or how little money you got. It doesn't matter. It might, what does matter is what is in your heart. If you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you are living for him you're going, and he is living in your heart, you're going to make it to heaven if you will just continue that way. But if you have never asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and he's not living in your heart, you're not going to make it. So, you know, we need to make up our mind. What are we going to do? Are we going to do what the Lord wants us to do or are we going to do what Satan wants us to do? Listen, there is none of this, I'll do what I want to. That That's, <laughs> I don't care what you think. We don't do what we want to do. We do what we do because of who is in control of our life. So, who is in control of your life? But the journeys, Israel's journeys from Egypt to the Jordan, right before going into the promised land, they, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. They, they complained and, and they griped and they, uh, they, went, they murmured against the Lord and against Aaron and, and against the priest and against Moses and they, they argued and uh, they wanted this but, and they was tired of that and, and all this stuff. And, you know, and I read this, I read all these times that they were arguing and complaining and everything and I thought, my God, that sounds just exactly like me. I am never satisfied with what I have I always want better. I'm always wanting something better. I've got a good truck. It's paid for. It gets me where I want to go. I don't have any problems out of it. So why do I need anything else? I have a home to live in. It's not mine. We rent it. It's a roof over our head. It has everything I need. Heat, air, water, sewer. Why do I need anything else? Electricity? Why do I need anything else? Because, I'll, like I said, one of these days, it's all, going, it's all going to be destroyed anyway. So just be content with what you have. We, we know we... The, the children of Israel, they, they 
they had all they had the water to drink. Yes, yeah, sometimes they went thirsty, and sometimes they went a little hungry. But they always had their needs supplied right at the, the most opportune time. You know, God's never late and never early, but He is always right on time. You may think that it's getting down to the wire, and you may start worrying and wringing your hands and everything. Keep calm. God's on the job. God's working. Even though you don't see him working, he's working, and he will be, and he will meet your needs, and he will meet your needs right on time. So why why do we worry, and why do we complain so much? It's human nature. You know, we blame so much on human nature. And the, when it comes right down to the fact of it, we just we have just got enough salvation to make us miserable and then and in return we go around with this long face all the time we complain about everything all the time we talk about everybody all the time and then we wonder why that we're not getting a blessing and why that god didn't meet our needs and everything when we, when all we do is complain and run people down and and Worry all the time. God is in control of everything. Don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about your meals. Don't worry about your home. Don't worry about nothing. God is in control. Turn everything over to him. Walk off and leave it. He don't need any help. And let the Lord handle it. And he will take care of it. He will meet your need. And he will bless you. Worry about where you stand with the Lord. Worry about what your soul, how close you are. Is your soul really on its way to heaven? Are you really on your way to heaven? Are you really where you need to be with the Lord? That's the things that we need to be concerned with. Not everything of this world. God's God's in control of this world. Even though it may not seem like it, everything that's going on is going on for a reason. We don't know what that reason is. We may not know in this life, and we might not know in the next life, but it's in God's in control of it. He's got everything in in control, so we, we don't need to worry about those things. We need to pray for all these people. Christians, we need to pray for these people that are doing wrong. Not sit back and make fun of them and tell them and say what ought to be done to them. We need to pray for them. These people have a soul just like you and I. These people need to find the Lord and when they find the Lord and ask the Lord into their heart and live for him, they will quit the things that they are doing now. Who is in the driver's seat in your heart? Who's in the driver's seat? Whoever is in the driver's seat of your heart is a reason why that you are doing the things that you are doing. I mean in your driving your heart who is in control of your life who has to say so in your life is it jesus or is it satan think about that one 
and then think about the things you're doing and ask yourself, if the Lord was in control of my heart, would I be doing those things? That's the question for you to think about until the next time. Thank you all for listening. I love you, and God bless you.